Um, so, hey, folks, so I was just going to say, Steve and I were just reminiscing for a minute. Ten years ago today, we were on mission from GAD Europe, the first leg, and we were in um, we were in Germany today and on our way to Italy. In fact, well, you're probably doing your clinic right about now at seven o'clock at night, but or six, eight o'clock at night in Germany. But, it was a um, good tour. It, it was, was a nice tour. tour. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. That's when I we we spoke about how many stops I made on the way over, and if, That's I asked you if if you wanted if there was something that I could pick up for you at one of the airports on the way over. Yeah, I, I I remember having that discussion. I remember that too. I do. I remember you were gonna maybe some cashews or something, or I don't know. Just... Right, right, right. <laughs> that was well, that, that tour was uh, delayed because of the uh, volcano, right? That's right. That's right. Volcanic ash in Iceland <clears throat> grounded us for like two weeks or some crazy thing. But yeah, well, that, that was good, though. That was a fun tour. It was, it was nice. Nice to have Yard with us. And it's nice to do, uh, you know, to get a, a bunch of, of clinics in a row where you, you can start getting like a flow happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it was great. That was a lot of fun. And you you got into a flow really, really quickly, right from the first night. So what have you been up to? Did you run today? I did. I did. I ran five miles. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm going, I'm not, I'm doing uh, maybe two, a mile and a half or two miles now. I just, I'm starting back. So, yeah, because I, I'm, but uh, I'm doing it. Nice to get out every day. Exactly. Exactly. And I got out. I got out early today. I got out about six. You have to do it that in the summer. You got to do it that even five thirty in Phoenix, because as soon as the, as soon as the sun comes out, it's too hot. Yeah, gosh, I can't. I can't even imagine it. I've I've run there before, and yeah, it's hot. Hey, Peter Erskine's on. Doctor Um. <laughs> Doctor Um. Hi, Pete. Happy Saturday to you too, Pete. Pete, you're going to be the next victim. This is Steve. Steve is helping me work the bugs out on this thing. Then I'm going to, I'm going to really go after you guys. So ask him to tell you the joke that he told me when I saw him in Japan. Cause I can't, I told him a joke and he told me one back and I, and it was a real quickie, but I can't remember it. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to have to, I'll have to get it offline because something tells me he can't say it here. Okay. That's my guess in front of all these people. But so Peter, you heard that I'm going to talk to you this week and Steve wants you to tell me that joke you told him in Japan. I guess he told you a joke and you told him one back. So <clears throat> Peter's a great joke teller too. Always has a, a funny joke. A couple of good joke tellers and our friend Rick, of course. Oh, yeah. Well, he, well, is he on now? Or is, or is he uh... We should call him and get him up. I don't see him on here, but he probably well, he, will join us. He should be up. Why should he be sleeping if we're doing this stuff, man? Why should he get why should he get out with doing nothing? <laughs> I'm sure he's not sleeping. <laughs> no doubt Rick is not sleeping right now. In fact, he'll get on and tell us how bad he slept last night. 
Ah, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody just asked a question. Oh, there's Paul Candelori, who's one of the guitar players, great guitar player in my band. And he said, oh. I should run five miles a day after week. I called him and said, no, I'm 35 miles from home. <laughs> He's a funny guy. He's a very funny guy, that Paul Candelori. <clears throat> so, Chachi, so Steve, also with us is my good Hold friend. Hold on for a minute. Wait, Jen, I have a problem here because my wife, Carol, is in the room with the Facebook thing on, and there's a delay. Oh, yeah, it's don't listen to that. Me. It's going to mess so, you up. <laughs> All right, now it's okay now. No, I was just going to say, I'm going to read you a message from... from uh, Oh, Pete says, Peter says, the joke is completely untellable. <laughs> All right. All right. but um, Tell him to go ahead and tell it then. Go ahead. <laughs> Lay it on me, Pete. Come on. <laughs> uh, Stanley Sheldon is also watching. Uh, great bass player. Played with Peter Frampton for many years. And plays in the band that Rick's in now, uh, Ronan. That it was uh -huh. all those years ago. And he wants me to tell you he's a big fan. Well, I'm. Uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate that, man. They were all in Japan. Th that That's band right. went to Japan, and That's right. I heard it. Was, I heard they did great too. I heard, heard it was fantastic. So I saw some live clips. Yeah, they they kicked ass over there. Stanley's an incredible bass player. That's a great band. Man. Yeah. Great band. <laughs> well, to say hello, uh, hi, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Um, <clears throat> I saw. Hey, there's Gavin Harrison too. Can we get the dog back on the screen? <laughs> um, so Chachi Lepret, my good friend, um, has a Beatles. He's a uh, lives here in Boston. Used to be on WBCN, the biggest radio station in the whole area, and um, he does a weekly Beatles show. And last week, in fact, on his show, he was promoting my little chat last week, and he played "Take It Away," that you the huh? song recorded with Paul, right. And uh, and Ringo too, right? Ringo, uh, Stanley Clark, uh, Denny Lane was playing um, guitar on that. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, that was a pretty exciting. Uh, I, I, that's the only time I've uh, was in Montserrat at the studio there. Great studio. Mm. Uh, beautiful surroundings. It was uh, we had a great time. And I had, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. Good, please. Yep, go ahead. No, so I mean, I had met Ringo before because I had done some albums with him. But it was the first time that I had met Paul. And, uh, but it was, so it was, it was fantastic. It was great. I'll bet. Yeah. And you're on the whole record or, or that just that song or? I'm on a couple of a few. So I don't remember. I'm not. I don't think I'm on the whole record. But you know, Ringo and I did some together. Um, and uh, I don't. I don't remember what the what the end run what the end list of players was. But I remember I had a lot of fun doing that. Carol was there, and we yeah. hung out with Paul's kids. We met all of his kids, and uh, and Linda was there, so it was it was a nice time. And uh, also um, George Martin, and and Jeff Emmerich. Mm, wow! So it was uh, exciting for me to yeah. meet those guys. 
Did you get the call to do it from, I'm, I've always wanted to ask you this too. Did you get the call from like George Martin as producer or did Paul call you or? I think it was from through Paul. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That was nice though. We great. had fun. I'm trying to see if there's, I, I just wanted to do a shout out to Chachi. Yeah. Great drumming. and take it away. Absolutely. Um, See if there's any other questions people are asking that I'm missing here. Going by so fast. Wow. 155 comments. I can't keep up. Is Rick Murata here, Tracy? Tracy just said Rick. Or maybe she's saying that because I mentioned his name. I, I summoned him. Um, Dave Storino met you guys at Casio Music during Mission from Gad in Milwaukee. I remember that. Thank you for being so nice to my son, John. You're welcome, Steve. I'm sorry, Dave. Dave Storino. It was a Steve on top of you there. Uh, that was a fun time. I remember that. Casio music. Where's Rick? Okay. Rick is asking who I'm interviewing. Who's Rick? Who's Rick? That's what we all want to know is who's Rick. Oh, is, that Rick is that one of the Maraca brothers? He's one of the Maracas. He's he's Jerry. He's Jerry Maracas' brother. Wow. Yeah, that, that's who he is. And uh, no, but you know, in, in all seriousness, you know, Rick's Rick's pretty good too. You know, he's he's played on a couple records, not as many as Jerry, and not as good as Jerry, but he's pretty good. Where did he they're go? Both, they're, they're both great. They're both great. They're both great. And everybody who's listening, their name is not really Maraca. It's Marada. So, you know, Rick, he can be sensitive to that stuff and we don't want to hurt his feelings. So, no. Yeah. No, it's the last thing we'd ever do. It's the last thing. So, so what else? Let's see. I'm just trying to see if there's another. Uh, Chachi says, example of the greatness of Steve, Gad Steve Gad was his drumming on 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to send a message real quick. Hold on one second, Steve. Um, people are looking for this in the wrong place. But everybody, carry on with your messages. Um, broadcast is... All right, but the uh, delay, folks. People are people are not finding this. Okay, back to the show. Okay, let's see what we have for questions. Okay. What did I do here for crying out loud? Steve, you hanging in there with me? Yeah. Good man. Thank you. All right. That's okay. We full talk with Steve. All right. Uh, oh, Greg Field just asked a great question. 
Who, who, would you, who would you have loved to have worked with, Greg Field just asked you? Uh, oh, I would have loved to have worked with Miles. Yeah. Or uh, I love Prince. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was watching this thing on Prince the other night. They were they had a, a tribute to him. Or no, you know what I was watching? I was watching uh, Birth of the Cool. And yeah. With the thing and and uh, Miles sat in with Prince. He went out, you know, which was unbelievable. But I mean, he lo- Prince loved Miles. Miles loved Prince. Man, it was amazing. And they were both really. Uh, innovative man i loved them both yeah yeah absolutely i watched that prince show the other night in fact for whatever reason the dvr cut out after an hour of it so we only got the first half and then we demanded it and started watching the the other half but it's commercial so we sort of got through a little of it but sheila was <clears throat> sheila e was all over it and sounded she, yeah she sounded great she was the md i think i think you're right yeah, yeah. and she man they they did a great job they did a great job. Someone asked how you stay so physically fit, Steve. Do you want to? You want to answer? No. That? So I, I try to I try to exercise every day. Although I just went through a period where I, you know I was a little bit fatigued and I and I wasn't exercising. But I started about a week ago, and uh, trying to run a little every day. Maybe do some push-ups. Not anything too much but just to be consistent mm-hmm. that's the i think that's the best way to stay in shape for any kind of gigs that are coming up i mean you have to do some practicing and stay loose but i mean the, you know the exercise really it keeps you ready for anything coming down you know anything that, that comes your way you know what i mean yeah for yeah. me for me it helps a lot and and mentally too right i mean yeah, mentally it helps, and I think, and I try to, you know, eat healthy. Uh, um, you know, I, I I don't eat meat now. I, I stopped eating meat, um, and uh, you know, I think that you know, especially with with this virus going around, we the the people that are are eating right and exercising and keeping their immune system up are going to have less of a problem with it you know uh and i've been i've been exercising for i started when i was uh you know maybe 46 and so i've been doing it for uh i'm 75 now yeah and and, uh now i i really you know i i feel the effects of having done it because i feel pretty good you know yeah. And I haven't, I haven't, you know, knocked on wood. I haven't had a problem, you know, with the virus yet. So hopefully we can keep it that way. I'm knocking wood too. Yeah, exactly. No, you're in amazing shape. In fact, you were the one I, I tell people this It was on that first mission from GAD tour we did in 2005 that you got me running. I, you were saying to me, you should, you should get out there. And I kept saying, Oh, you know, my, my knees bother me or this. And we went out and bought some running shoes and it's all it took. I was I was hooked. That's that. good, right? I mean, a little you do a little bit every day, and it really helps clear Absolutely. your mind and uh, and just it's just a it's a good thing to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's it's even like today, I got to about the almost the four mile mark, and where I'm running now, it's a different place, and there's some hills, um, and I just was kind of getting a little tired, and I wear a mask when I run, so it's a little extra workout. And uh, I just stopped and I walked for a little bit. I thought, you know what? If I don't run the whole five miles, it's okay. If I stop and walk for a few minutes and. Well, that's what's happening with me coming back. I, I first of all, I, I started out, you know, about a week ago where I was jogging and then I'd have to walk a little bit and then I'd jog again. So I, I'm doing the same, you know, mile and a half thing now, but you know, now I can do the, I can do it now without having to walk. So yeah. I'll just, you know, I'm not trying to go fast. I'm just trying to get out there and get it done. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I'll try to go a little bit longer. So I, maybe I get it up to like, uh, I, I used to do an hour. I'd like to get it back to do an hour. Zach, come on in. Come on in, honey. I, I just wanted to see if you were overcoming your technical difficulties. And oh, you yeah. well, please. It, we've, been, we're, we've been overcoming them for a couple of days now. So we, <laughs> we've had, we've had rehearsal. You're right. Because when I, you get when I start getting into the technical end of things, we could run into some big problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've, that's that's been my experience with me. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of problem with technology. Uh, well, yes, I can see that you've got a very professional setup here. Yeah, all got the microphone here nicely. Yeah, yeah. well. And I'm glad to see it's working. I just came up to put a load of laundry. And my wife dryer. made it all that much better. We're going to love Kelly, good to see you. You too, Steve. Say hi. Say hello. Tell, tell Olga I send my love. I don't want to interrupt the show. Okay. Send yeah. your love. Send his love to Olga. I will. Okay. And Tracy's watching. So we got the whole family here. Hi, Tracy. Oh, Mike Balter. I'll tell you you said that. And, and Jerry Dupree. So, Steve, I'm going to just jump back a couple of people. Um, Anthony Cousins, I was a 2006 SG Mission Tour, Sam Ash, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. I remember that in Philly. Mm. Yep. Remember that. But a couple questions. I think it was John. No, maybe it was Tom Evans. Somebody asked who your favorite drummer is. That's tough. Um, no, I, 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 there's so many great drummers out there. I, I, I mean, uh, I can learn something from, from all of them, you know, I mean, that's been my experience, yeah. I, you know, like, uh, and, and the way I learn is by, you know, watching and listening to other people and trying to copy what they do. Um, and, but there's a lot of, you know, great drumming musicians out there that, uh, I love them all. I knew you'd say something like that, but let's, let's make sure everybody understands that Rick Murata is not one of them. It's no, Rick was once, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rick was very, Rick's been a big uh, part of my uh, drumming career. You know, he is a, is a big influence on me. Um, you know, I started out, I grew up in Rochester playing in clubs playing jazz, playing bebop, and you know that's what my background was. And you know, I, you know, I really didn't, you know, understand groove playing until I 
got, you know, ended up in New York. And, um, and one of the, the, the first guy I heard that really made it make sense was Rick. He was playing at a club with David Spinoza. And, uh, I remember it was, uh, um, Kenny, uh, um, Asher was playing keyboard. Stu Woods was playing bass. Um, Rick was playing drums and man, the, it was just the, 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 the pocket was so incredible. It was, yeah. you know, and there were a lot of musicians in the audience listening, you know, uh, and, uh, it, and they were a lot, a lot of jazz musicians in the audience listening. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, I think, that night, even Marvin Stam was in the audience, and he sat in, and uh, and it was amazing how powerful uh, the feel is, the groove, and they, you know, so that was uh, that was a great night for me, learning wise, and I, you know, I became friends with Rick, and he, he we hung out, he'd play things that he was listening to, and and introduced me to, to drummers that he had been listening to, but that I had, because he had been coming from another kind of uh, 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 musical inspiration, a groove thing. And I came from the jazz thing. So, yeah. And learning and hearing these guys that could groove was, that was a, a big inspiration for me. And, and, you know, and that's, I just wanted to try and be able to do what they did, you know, and that, so, and I'm glad. Yeah, it really it really uh, changed my playing um, for the better. Yeah, he is. I I hate to say this because he's probably listening right now, but he is a pretty incredible drummer. I know, and I, I hated to say what I just said too. I hated no. to say it. He he actually texted me and he said, "I'm going to stop watching if you keep talking about me." <laughs> Uh, Larry Goldings is on right now. Oh, El Goldini. Oh, Dave Weckle. Larry and Dave are both on right now. Wow. Hey, Dave. Good to see you, buddy. Sending you love right back. And where did uh, where did Larry go? Larry was just, I don't know, Larry posted something. And and Larry Aberman is also on, talking, asking to talk about Eastman and John Beck. Ah. Well, I... Uh, I studied with John Beck, even, uh, you know, in the preparatory department at, at Eastman. Um, I met him when he uh, got out of the, he, he, he went to Eastman, graduated, and then went in the Marine Band for four years. And when he got out of the Marine Band, he came back to Rochester and he uh, uh, was the timpanist in the uh, Rochester Philharmonic. And, um, and he took over teaching the preparatory department for Eastman. And so I, I was studying with John Beck and Bill Street was the professor of percussion at Eastman School of Music. Mm. And then um, when, when Bill Street retired, John... Beck went from the preparatory department to, to being the professor, and um, and eventually, uh, you know, after um, I I went to New York for a couple of years to Manhattan School of Music, 
because my grades weren't good enough to get in Eastman when I got out of high school. So I went to Manhattan for a couple of years and I got my uh, academic grades up and then I was able to transfer. And um, and Bill Street was still the uh, professor at Eastman School of Music. But John had started, they started allowing John to take, I, I had the choice of Bill Street or John Beck. And I went with John because I, I already knew him. Mm. Um, I had never studied with Bill Street before. I had studied with Stanley Street, Bill's brother, years earlier when I was young. Um, but uh, I just remained with John Beck because I had been with him, you know, in the preparatory department. Uh when I when I transferred from Manhattan School of Music to Eastman, great teacher, mm. great player, um, and uh, good friend. Uh, I I talked to him. Uh, he real. I mean, I, I I'm so lucky to have him as my teacher. Really good. Yeah, he's had a, besides yourself a lot of great students, and and uh, what a yeah what a legacy he has, you know, and I remember Louis Belson, you met Louis through John Beck, right? I think. Yeah. Louis did a, Louis did a clinic in Rochester. He was playing Rogers drums. Right. And he came, uh, and this might've been in the sixties. I think it was, it, it was in the sixties, early sixties. I think he came and, um, did a clinic and John was doing the clinic with him. And then John introduced me to Louie and, and Louie invited me to go up and, and, you know, play alongside of him. And, and we've, we were friends ever since. Great. Uh, what a great guy. Louis nice. Belson. I know. Can you tell that story about, um, not to put you on the spot, but it's such a great story. And, and it, I, it makes me, gets me all, my eyes all watery to just think about it, but at the Buddy Rich uh, concert in LA in 89, when you and, and Dave, who's watching, and Vinny and Dennis and Louie and Greg all played. <clears throat> and you, Louie was wearing that rhinestone tuxedo. Yeah, he Louie went out, man, he had this great tux. It was beaded, actually. It had, it had like, it was, had some beadwork done all throughout the whole thing, black and and I, I really loved the way it looked. I said, man, Louie, not only did you sound good, but holy cow, you look fantastic, man. I love that. I love the, the, the tux, man. Where'd you get it? Did you ever made what? And he ended up giving it to me. That's unbelievable. He gave it to me. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah. What a guy. I still, I mean, I still got it. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, what a special thing to have happen. Huh? I know. Are you about a 38 short, Steve? Yeah. Uh, you're a 38 extra short. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can have it taken in. It's okay. <laughs> Take an inch or two up. Yeah. No, a 30, I'm either a 38 short or an extra short too. <laughs> well, Louie would, Louie would want us to have it. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. No, you know, I, I'll tell another Louis story. I remember when one of the mission from Gad tours, the one that we did. So it was the second one on the West Coast. And it was the fall of 2005. So almost 15 years ago. And 
we were in San Jose and you remember Louie came out, Louie and, and, um, and his wife came out to the clinic. It was at a college, Francine. I couldn't think of her name for a second. Louie right. and Francine came and uh, he sat on the bus for us with us for like an hour before and we hung out. And then during the clinic, he was asking all the questions. <laughs> you remember this? It was the funniest thing. He's, he was, and he's so, he rest his soul. He was usually kind of a reserved guy, but I feel like he kept wanting to ask you questions and, and, and he'd stand up and go, I saw this. I saw him when he was a kid. I knew then he was going to be, you know, it was the greatest. He was just the greatest, greatest guy. Yeah. Good guy. man. Oh, good yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, a lot throughout my my whole uh, all growing up, I I met you know Gene Krupa, Max Roach, um, um, Art Blakey. Uh, I mean, I, they were all so nice to young musicians. You know, like Louis was the same way. I mean, it, really, it was great. They were so encouraging. Um, they, you know, they used to bring, uh, there was a club in, in Rochester called the Ridgecrest Inn, and they'd bring, a, you know, a group in, they'd bring Gene Krupa's band in for a week. It was a little club. Man. Mm-hmm. I could sit right next to the bandstand and watch Gene Krupa, man, see his feet, watch his hands. Um, and Max Roach and Art Blakey, and, and then Dizzy came in, brought a band in, um, Kay Winding came with a band. Stan Getz came in. Oscar Peterson, Ray Bryant, Papa Joe Jones was there. Wow! I got a chance to see and sit in with all these guys. I mean, they yeah. would let little kids come in and play. They had Sunday afternoon matinees and what a time! Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. I know, I know. I mean, I I grew up a little after that, but I mean, it was still, you know, in the seventies for me, like I saw buddy a bunch of times and um, it was such a great time, especially like you said, in the sixties to see all these guys when they were still there and in small venues, you know, before the big venue thing happened and it was like, you know, and then there was a whole, there was another, uh, there was a club, club called the Pithod which brought organ groups in so you could, you know, like get a chance to see Hank Marr and Groove Holmes and uh, Jack McDuff. I mean, it was, what a great way to grow up. Man. By the way, I got to tell you that Luis is watching. Luis Conte is watching. Ah. And, uh, and Larry Golding's, I missed, it's gone now, but he said, I miss your laugh. (laughs) <laughs> I love those guys, man. I know. I know. We were supposed to, we were all supposed to be out working together now with, uh, with James. Yeah. Yeah. With James. So hopefully I'll see those guys when, when they reschedule, whenever that is. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, do you, do you think it'll be the fall or is it, is it going to really, it's going to really have to be next year probably. Right. I, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'm just waiting to see. Yeah. You know, and now that they're starting to reopen some things, we'll have to see what happens. You know what I mean? You know. Yeah. And like we said on the phone the other day, too, I mean, it, even if they start reopening things, the idea of being in a in a big venue with 20,000 people, uh, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't no, seem. No, it's a little frightening. Yeah. 
I want anybody who's tuning in, I want people to see this shirt that I'm wearing. It's This was the shirt that was made for Steve five years ago for when he turned 70 and, it, and commemorate, to commemorate the 70 and strong record, right? Is it on the back? No, that's the that's the the jackpot. That's Jack the Bulldog and Zildjian. Yeah, and my friend Gary Greenberg was the guy that designed the logo. The Bulldog. I like the logo. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's great. Anybody want to wish Steve a happy birthday? It was a couple of weeks ago, but be a good time to. Uh... Oh, people! Tracy just texted me. People have asked about great bassists that you've worked with. Thank you, Tracy. Um, oh, great basses! Great well, bass players. Um, I, I mean, like uh, Eddie Gomez, uh, Will Lee, Anthony Jackson, Freddie Washington, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Tony I've been the Tony Levin. Uh, I don't know. There's just been, I've been, I've been so blessed yeah. with uh, the musicians that I've uh, been able to make music with. And um, yeah, the, but the, yeah, those players are unbelievable. Marcus Miller. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. And now there's a whole, a whole bunch of, you know, young guys, new guys that, that are pretty amazing too, man. I was just going to say you could add Paul McCartney to that list too. I mean, Oh, Paul McCartney. He, right. That was, that was great. Great bass player. Great bass player. Great time. Yeah. Stanley Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I, if I'm missing any other questions, we were just, um, my friend Rich Farago, how did you meet Chick? Did you meet him in, at? at um... I met Chick. You know when I met Chick, I was going in '64 uh, and '65. I was, that's when I was at Manhattan School of Music. Manhattan School of Music, okay. And I was my roommate was a bass player from Buffalo, Nick Mulfizi, and um, uh. And he had worked with uh, Chuck and Gapman Joni, and so Nick and I were friends. And um, and we were going out to Long Island to uh, uh, one of uh, a friend of, of uh, Nick was a trumpet player called named John Eckert, and he had a place out in Long Island, and he had arranged like a little, you know, session with Chick him me and Nick. That's when I first met you. Mm. And then um, a yeah. few years later, after I got out of, I was at Manhattan in 65, I got went back to Eastman. And either in 65 or 66, Chuck Mangione and Chick were playing with Art Blakey's band. And when they left Art Blakey's band, Chucky came back to Rochester and Chick came with him and, and Chuck put a group together with Joe Romano, Frank Polero. Joe Romano was a, was a saxophone player. Frank Polero is a bass player. Chick and, and, and me and Chucky. And, and, and that's when the first time that uh, I played with, well, that, I did a gig with Chick. Mm. 
And, um, and, you know, and then the next time I, uh, I saw chick after the, that we, we played it, you know, a few months, six nights a week. And then, um, I had to go. Eventually I graduated from college and I had to go in the army for three years. And, and one of the, one of the years I was in the army, I went to New York on a weekend to, you know, to just hear some music and I, you know, and I heard Chick with uh, Stanley and Ierto and Flora, Flora Purim doing the uh, uh, Crystal uh, Light as a Feather stuff and uh, uh, Crystal Silence, some of those songs and, and, uh, and they were doing Spain and Man, they sounded so great. I, I told Chick, I said to him after, I said, Chick, man, if you have got a, if you ever need a drummer and you think you could use me, man, I'd love to be, I'd love to do it. So, you know, years later, something came up and it, something, it opened up and he gave me a call and, and I was in the band for a while. It was great. That's cool. That's, and, and the relationship that you guys have had for all these years, getting a lot of people commenting and asking about working with Chick. Someone asked about um, what, it what it was like, uh, the question's gone now, to work on the three quartets record sessions. Um, all the, you know, all the music that I did with Chick was great, you know? Um, and, uh, and with Eddie Gomez and Mike Brecker and, and um, it was, it was fantastic. And all of the albums I did with Chick, you know, they were all, the, the every album, the music was a little bit different um, and challenging. And, uh, you know, it was very rewarding having, you know, been able to, you know, get through it and, and get it recorded. I mean, it was, wasn't easy, but it was definitely, uh, worth the challenge, you know? Yeah. yeah. His writing is unbelievable. Those, I mean, yeah, those records are like, <clears throat> Rick just said, Will, I think meaning Will Lee, he just put a comment out there. Travis, our friend Travis Coakley was was asking you about your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson. Oh, I, Jimmy's, I love playing with Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, we worked together with James and then also, you know, when we, when we go out with the Steve Gadd band, he does it. And, uh, I, I just think it gets better and better, you know? Yeah. He's, and, and speaking of great bass players, Will Lee just joined the conversation. Another great, yeah. Another, my, uh, my brother. Yeah. Hi, Will. Love. Just yelling. Hi. Love you back, buddy. So glad you could join it. We were just talking about you. And uh, and and Larry Aberman just just said, you know, maybe you could talk for a minute about like the sort of golden the golden years of like the New York session scene in the 70s. Oh man, well, Will and I were we did a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Actually, there was a time where, you know, it was like he was almost my roommate because we would do gigs during the day and gigs at night and then we go to hang out at my place and listen to the music you know what i mean and hang and it was uh, we had a lot we had a lot of fun we had a lot of fun 
and um, <clears throat> they were they were uh, that era of you know in the recording business was I mean it was spectacular, a lot of work, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of friends, and you know all the guys that I you know, anybody that I met in those years in the studios that that was part of that thing. You know, if they're still alive, we're still friends. You know what I mean? They're just, uh, that's the way it worked out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It was like a big family kind of thing. You end up seeing a lot of the same people on a lot of the same dates. You know what I mean? And it was, um, it was fun. In those days, too, I think you told me that a lot of times you would just play how you and Rick, I, Rick told me this, too. You'd you'd bring your own, you'd bring your snare and foot pedal and cymbals and play like a house kit on a lot of those records. Yeah, all the all the studios had a bass drum and toms. And um, and then the drummers would bring cymbals and a trap case. So they'd need the, in the trap case. They'd have uh, it might they'd have their snare drum. They wanted to use it, switch it up. Symbols, mm. hi hat, bass drum pedal, um, and uh, yeah. Then eventually, people started, you know, you know, having their own gear brought in. But uh, that didn't happen for a while. We were using the studio things for a long time. Mm. Atlantic had a great set of sonar. And uh, they sounded unbelievable. The bass drum sounded great, man. I think uh, I think Bernard Purdy had maybe picked him out or something. But. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the studios had had uh, you know they had the things already you know mic'd and hooked up. All you had to do was set up the the other things around it, and you were ready to go. Yeah, I can imagine it was just just a lot easier to do it that way, and. A lot, yeah, a lot quicker. You were in and out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you can you think of any records like, um, I mean, any that stand out that where you went in and used like a house kit that like is a like a note like maybe a Paul Simon record maybe that you did that, mm. or were they mostly with your own by that time? Well, I mean, when when Paul started working, like then they started blocking out time. You know what I mean? It wasn't just they normally before they used to it used to be ten to one, two to five, and seven to ten were the blocks for recording for albums. And then there were also the time for like ten to eleven plus twenty could be a jingle. You know what I mean? You know, or one to two plus uh, plus twenty that would be like an afternoon jingle. Yeah. So you had jingles and record dates throughout the day. And then, you know, when people started blocking, you know, booking a studio for a couple of weeks, blocking out time um, to work on an album, it worked out where you could have your gear brought in and leave it there. And it ended up, you know, you, you were more comfortable because it was your own stuff. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, it worked out because they were there long enough. So it was, and eventually it just started where everyone started doing that, bringing their own things. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody just asked, and I, th I think I know the answer to this, but Asia is your drum, your personal drum set. That's not, that wasn't a house kit. That was your, 
one of your kits that you recorded Asia on. Yeah, I think so. I'm not, you know, what year was, was Asia done? I think 78, I think. Yeah. 78. You know, I, I'm not sure if it, if it was my, if it was, uh, I, I don't remember if, if it was my gear or if in those days we were still doing the, uh, were the studios that had the gear. Mm. Uh, pr- uh, probably it was my own gear. It was probably my own gear. I mean, they sound like your drums, but it, you know, could have been, you would make any drum sound like your drums. So, um, but I always assume they were your drums. Okay. I can't remember to be honest. Yeah. Wish I could hang out. Oh, Pat Brown's coming and going. Somebody asked what year, how you and I met, but, that was a long time ago. That's for another time. We won't, we won't take any time to talk about that. Um, I was going to ask you too, Steve, and I know, again, I've, you've probably told me this story a million times, but with my, one of the guys in my band, Paul Gianelli, is always asking me about Asia, the, the album and the song. And if I remember correctly, you did a couple of takes, but they used the first one. Does that sound right? I, you know what? I don't know which one they used. I, I'm not sure. I know we got through it the first. Here's what happened. They had been playing this song with other drummers and and not really. For some reason, I didn't hear what 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 the other drummers had done, but they weren't. They hadn't really got the music where they wanted it. And. Uh, and, you know, they wanted it to get a little bit crazy at the end. And it was so, it was, you know, back in, in those days, you know, you were recording pop things. And it, the last thing you wanted to do was get busy. You know what I mean? The idea was to get simpler. So, but they finally, you know, got me into like doing some, you know, talking into doing some crazy stuff at the end. And that it turned out that's what they wanted, you know. Uh, and. So, but the band had played it, you know, and the, the, the chart was up there, you know, from when other guys had tried to do it. And uh, so the fact that the band, you know, wasn't really sight reading it, you know, helped me get through it too the first time. Mm-hmm. So we did get through it the first time and, uh, and we did a couple of takes. And, you know, back then my reading was, was good because I was, I, you know, read a lot when I was in the army, I was reading a lot on, uh, on sessions back, back in the day that they had, everybody brought in charts. Um, now it's since got into more, you know, like, uh, more lead sheets now and things like that. But yeah, my reading was really good back then. So it was, uh, I got through it. I'd say you got through it. Yeah. My, my friend Tom Evans is asking about the stick click, the famous stick click. Not, not intentional. <laughs> not intentional. <laughs> you know, the first time I saw Dennis tour with those guys back in the 90s during the solo, he actually, did you know that he does the stick click? He did the stick. Did he do it? Yeah, he did it. <laughs> as, as a tip of the hat to you, yeah. which is cool. I, yeah, I I just spoke to Dennis the other day, man. Good. He sounds guy. good, right? Yeah, sounds, he sounded good, man. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's a good guy. Let's see, any other questions here? Roger, oh, my friend Roger from the Bordeaux region of Francais, Shadow of Hands. I don't know what that is. Okay, well, okay, we got some, trying to catch up. I do wanna say, I apologize. I know people are texting questions and it's all scrolling so fast. I can't, I can't read them fast enough. So sorry about that. I knew I was gonna say that ahead of time that probably won't get to all these questions. But Neil Porter, the singer in my band, Grand Theft Audio, is asking about any new jokes. Steve, do we have any? Well, the ones that I like, there's, there's, uh, this guy had a friend, his best friend dropped dead. And he wanted to, you know, go to the funeral parlor and pay his last respects to the widow and really, you know, say goodbye to his friend. And he went to the funeral parlor that night and walked up to the widow and whispered in her ear, he said, El Mundo. And she said, oh, that would have meant the world to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's maybe the only one you can tell. I, I, I <laughs> it's a good one though, Neil. I hope you like that one. And for anybody else listening, my buddy Neil Porter will be live tonight at I think seven thirty. And there's his beautiful wife Charlene. One of the other, Neil said, awesome. Um, yeah, Neil Porter and his wife, Charlene, tonight at 7.30, Grand Theft Audio vocals. On oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, unfortunately, we all can't be together, but that's all right. Neil does a great job, him and Charlene. Um, Chachi, Chachi says, El Mundo, very funny. <laughs> it is very funny. Yeah, that would have meant the world to him. Oh my God. A man, a man stands alone in the middle of the forest. Is he still wrong? <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> I'm going to say, judging, yes. Speaking personally, yes. <laughs> um, Somebody else had a question. It's gone now. Again, I apologize, everybody. Steve, how are you holding up, by the way? Here's one for the kids. <laughs> okay. Why'd the monkey fall out of the tree? I don't know. Why? Because he was dead. <laughs> My wife, Carol, just yelled in that that's terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, let me let me just apologize before we go any further. <laughs> for, for anything that I might say that I shouldn't. Oh, let's see, Larry. Um, Larry Aberman, Richard T. and stuff. Let's see. What's Steve? What's your favorite studio record that you worked on? Boy, that's a tough one. 
Um, probably, uh, you know what? I, I the last one I did. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep the best thing that I did current. You know what I mean? Yeah. I try to look at it that way. I, I, I but I, I mean, I had. I've had such a, you know, like a, a great ride in that, you know, the people that I met and the guys that I had the opportunity to play with. And, uh, and they were, I mean, looking back, I, they were teachers for me. I learned, you know, from all of those guys, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really don't have uh, a favorite, a favorite, you know, I, I couldn't imagine that that you you know would have a favorite. That's that's a that's a tough one. But but all the records you know your your the records um, the Steve Gad band records are probably amongst your favorites. So I would not just because- uh, yeah I, I like those. I, yeah. uh, you know the I like the way the guys write and it's the band keeps on evolving. You know the more we play the. The, the, even though we know each other really well, the, we get to know each other even better. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's been a it's been a, a joyful uh, journey. It's, that band's in such a great groove, you know, locked into such a place now too. I saw you guys last summer when you came through town, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was maybe even toward the end of the tour. So you guys were like just firing on everything. It was yeah. They're great. To, I love to just, you know, listen to those guys every night. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool that the, and I'll say that too, that if for people that haven't seen the band, the cool thing is that you, you know, as you're the leader and, you know, you could argue that a lot of people are there to see you. I mean, they're there to see the band, but, but it's, you give so much of the spotlight to the other guys. It's so great. You know, that the other, like, you know, um, Kevin and, and, uh, yeah, well, it's, it, it just it's about the music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, okay, sorry. I'm going to try to get back to some of these questions. Um, Scott Hessler is asking about any Eric Clapton touring stories. That that um, um, a lot of Eric Clapton questions, I guess. You know, I'm. It's. I, I. It's a great gig. I. I love that gig. It's a good hang. Um. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's they they run that thing like a it's like a well run machine. You know what I mean? Everyone does. They got the tour management and travel is. Hmm. Everything runs like clockwork. It's a great gig. Yeah. And it's always a great band. It's it's been pretty much the same guys, right? Yeah, and you know the other another bass player that I I I, I play with a lot, and I didn't mention is Nathan East. Oh, of course, he's yeah. another great. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I, he he does the uh, the Clapton thing, and uh, yeah, he's another uh, great bass player. So, and I think when I saw you with um, was it Joe Sample? Did was Pino playing bass in that in that band? No, well, that was uh, Opino's oh, another great one. Yeah, Nick Sample. Nick Sample was playing with Joe Sample. Okay. 
That's right. I think Pino was in London or something. Pino played in uh, with uh, when with Edie Burkell when we recorded with Edie Burkell. That's right. Okay, that's right. And when Simon and I came to see you at, at a gig in London a bunch of years ago, and uh, we happened to be in town when you were playing with Joe, and I think we bumped into Pino at the gig after. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, that's right. It was it was his son Nick playing bass, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many great bass players. It's you're lucky. Lucky, yeah. And there, there's, yeah. Um, you know, there's others that there that I can't think of their names now. Oh, um, oh, I can't remember, but it's been fun. Been good. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask kind of a, a silly question because I because Tracy just texted me and said oh, there's been a lot of Eric Clapton questions and I they've they've come and gone I haven't seen them but um when you do the when you were doing the Cream tunes did you try to stay somewhat faithful to what Ginger played or did you I know yeah, you were, thing, but. when we did that me and me and Sonny Emery did that thing together yeah yeah the reason and uh, and I I uh, listened to all all of the the stuff that we were going to play and uh, made some notes and just tried to, to notate some of the classic things that, that Ginger did, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he did have his own way of playing that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I, we tried to make it uh, pay tribute to Ginger, not make it like a, a thing where we're, trying to do it the way we would do it we uh, we tried to do it the way he did it right you know what i mean and um and and uh his son play uh his, his son was there yeah he yep. played um he was the last he, he 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 was the one guy that did a long solo it was good man he was great and and i thought it was a a, a nice tribute for ginger and uh and it was uh, to it was nice to be able to share that with Eric. Yeah. Because uh, you know, as 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 much as those guys went, you know, back and forth, you know, or you know, they they still really, you know, loved each other. And uh, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and and Ginger Ginger was a big. Uh, I I think he was the guy that put that band together. I think you know you what I mean? Be, yeah, I think you could be right. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Big personality. Well, I yeah, told yeah. I told a story, Steve, a couple of weeks ago when I did one of these. We did a tribute to Ginger when I was at Zildjian. Five years after the one we did for you, we did one for Ginger in London. And Jack Bruce, I, I, I told you about it at the time. It was 2008. And Jack um, came and played. And he was amazing. Uh, Eric wasn't available to do it, but... Um, and that would have been uh, just an entirely different scene if the three of them did it. But, but the lead up to it, where I said to Ginger, "Would it be okay if we had Jack come and play?" And Ginger said, "He'll never do it. He won't agree to do it." And I said, "Well, if he did, would you be okay with it?" He said, "Yeah, if he's willing to do it, I'll do it." So I got in touch with Jack through his wife, who was his manager, and she said, "Ginger won't want Jack to do it." You know, it was this sort of. And I said, "No, I." He, he's saying that if. Jack wants to do it. So anyway, long story short is Jack did it. 
and there were definitely a couple of moments, but all in all, Jack was so, um, you know, respectful and, and, uh, and loving. And, and he was such a nice guy to work with, to really make the thing, you know, like, like everybody did for yours. Like he really wanted it to be great. He, he just would do whatever he could do to make it, um, you know, a great night for ginger. And, and I really, I, it was nice to see that, you know, they really yeah. cared, about, cared about each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, they really did. They all, they, they, I mean, they, they were like, uh, they were like siblings were, but they, they loved each other, but they, they fought, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Unbelievable. I we, we were, we were on the, on one of the mission from Gad buses and Jim McGathy had the DVD of the cream reunion at Albert hall. That was like from 2005 or something. I remember we were watching the DVD on the bus and you said to me, they showed a close up of ginger's ride and he had the these symbols. They, no, what? We had giant rivets on the ride. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. And no logos. No. Yeah. No logos. Cause they were old sixties A's. Like they were really old. Like he got them at the factory. There's pictures of when he came there and took, I think he was with cream. And the old man, Avidus, didn't give free symbols to anybody. And there's a great story. Armin told me this, that the old man, Avidus, said to Armin, don't you let him leave here with anything unless he pays cash. And Ginger took a wad of, happy, you know, he's happy to go to the Zildjian factory, took a wad of cash out of his pocket and bought all his symbols. And Ginger, God bless him, man, he, till his last days on earth cherished those old symbols he still had the hi-hats he had the ride he had some of the crashes did you ever did you ever hear him close up those symbols no i never i, I, never, would, I would i would have loved to heard those things. yeah yeah especially that ride because you were looking at it going what are those rivets and you know at the in 2005 we didn't have rivets like that and i said i don't know they must have been what they used back in the 60s no well, they used to use i used they used to have a lot the, a lot of jazz guys use rivet symbols yeah yeah they're great i love them man. yeah you know, I, I, or, and I, or, or or sizzle they used to call them sizzle yeah. symbols or swish symbols right right i don't know what the difference between a swish and a sizzle is but i used to love that that different texture yeah, to be able to go there when they were, I, I don't mean with just a few rivets, but when you had a bunch of them, it would really be another, uh, like it would, yeah. it would last. It was great. Yeah. Nice sound. Now, Ringo and, played a, a, a riveted symbol of sizzle symbol and a lot of old Beatles stuff. Yeah. You can hear it. And Charlie's got some great old symbols too, right? He does. Yeah. He's got some, you know, he's got a couple of old Zildjians, but he's got a lot of the old Italian. Um, um, he plays a flat ride. It's not a UFIP, but it's an Italian. Um, I think it's Tosco or one of the Italian companies that he loves. And he just, you know, it's like his baby. Yeah. Old old Zildjian hi-hats. He had some old Peisty symbols. and Yeah. Love the old stuff. I do. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. But, uh, but I just, I remember that though, because you, you were, you were fascinated. You were fixated on those, on his ride symbol and the size of the rivets were much bigger. They were like, they looked like, you know, but like the size of a thumbtack um, head, you know? All right. I mean? Like, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And they would just look really beefy. And I'm like, yeah, it must be what, you know, that's what they had back then. And that's what that sound is, you know, plus it's an old symbol, but. 
Um, UFIP, somebody saying UFIP. Yes. Good symbols. Tosco are great too. Yes, they are. Great. Italian symbols are fantastic. Spiz. Everybody's talking Italian symbols now. Let's see. So you, you holding up okay, Steve? A couple more questions and... and um... Yeah, it's getting dark, isn't it? <laughs> You're getting... Getting it's getting hungry. dark. Is it getting dark out where you are? It's been dark for hours where I am. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see. Um, gonna wait for this to catch up a second. Got a conversation going. On. I did have another question I was gonna ask you too. Um, oh, you were talking the other day about. I asked you about if you had some drum set up at the house, and you were saying you've been playing a lot with the rubber tip sticks. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you could, maybe you could just share with everybody like some, some, uh, or oh, Larry Everman saying drum core, but some maybe exercises that you do to just, when you don't play the kit, just to kind of stay loose. Yeah. I, I mean, see if we can go over here. Paul Cantalori, the guy, one of the guys in my band said Italian musicians are great too. Aren't they? They are. They're the best. <laughs> All right. John, watch this. Those are those are flam random cues, right? Yep. They're into flam parallels. Now just tap all one. To just uh, just keep time, all right. Nice, yeah. You see how if you displace it, it makes it so it's like. Where are you putting that accent? Yeah. I'm trying. That's when I, I'm trying to do these uh, different rudiments and 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 displacing them um and it makes it it 
even though it's the same sticking, when you play it and it started in a different part of the, the bar, it changes the whole feel of it. So yeah. it's like another another kind of independence. Yeah. Is that you something do you that. do to warm up before you play too? Or is that just something you're working on now? Or is it? I mean, it's just it's things that I'm, you know, if I'm uh, rudiments, things that I practice on, on the table and stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I would, when I get it comfortable here, then I would try to maybe see how I could use it on the drums. But it's interesting, man. Uh, you know, like how you can, you can displace phrases. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. not just a, not. It's like it's like being able to take two bars of a of a of a feel and then playing the exact same thing on a starting in an eighth note later. You so it's the it's the same it's the same sticking, but the fact that you started a little right. bit later in the bar change. You know what I mean? It's like absolutely, yeah. Yep. a whole other kind of independence. So I've been, I, I keep on trying to do some, those kind of things. That's great. That's great. Hopefully. The people... So it's. weird and it's it's tricky shit but it's it won't, if you can get it i'm a little bit the fact that you're watching is making me nervous god damn it john yeah why do you have that effect on you because you've never seen me watch you play um and people are asking those are vic first sticks right those are, are those a particular it's a vic first vic first uh and they're um 5b chopper they're okay. uh, yeah. American classic. They're great for practice. Yeah. I think you can do the tip separate to put on regular sticks too, I think, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Let me just try this thing again. Okay, yeah, yeah. If you don't know where the time is, you can't tell me. 
No, you're in a groove now. You know what I mean? Did you could you see what was going on? Yeah. Anyway, that's that's sort of I, stuff that I've, I've been working on. I think you're ready to take that to the drums. Should we tell Steve? Should we tell everybody about the clinic tour that almost happened, the the mission from Gad tour that you you had all planned out? All planned for Yamaha, right? It was yeah. uh, and this the the virus happened, and that's it, man. Yeah. Well, are, are we gonna are we gonna reschedule? Yeah, we'll we'll figure out a time to reschedule. What, and I'll just tell everybody what Steve had this great idea about. This would have been the best mission from Gad tour ever. He was actually going to come down the chimneys of everybody's house like Santa Claus, and and like give a lesson individually. John, we never discussed that. <laughs> That's the first I'm hearing about that. The chimney. Yeah, the chimney. I don't know. Come John. down the I'm chimney with. Sure Sticks in your hand with those rubber tip sticks and just on people's coffee tables. That sounds like a dangerous thing to me, John. I'm not it sure. Would, I would never let you do that. Nobody this. loves Santa as much as me, John, but yeah, it's taking it a little bit too far. Come on. <laughs> uh, speaking of Yamaha and Zildjian, we should thank them because we're going to send them a bill after this for sponsoring your, your, um, your, your, your uh, Facebook live chat. Oh, Okay. Yeah, they don't know that yet, but we'll, we'll send them a bill. Thank, we'll thank them in advance. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, exactly. well, I thank them anyway. Thanks, Zildjian and Yamaha and Vic. Yeah, um, and Remo, Remo. Yeah, and LP. Yeah, and LP. They, yeah, and Zoom too. Our friends. Yeah, Zoom. Zoom. They you Zoom. I love Zoom. They take great care of us. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's asking for Crazy Army. Oh, okay. Good, good request. Really good request. Awesome. That's awesome. Crazy army. Oh, okay. I thought I lost you for a second there. Luis says bye. Hope to see you soon. See you, Luis. See you, Luis. Yeah. Oh, I love Luis. We love Luis. Um, hey, Steve, can you show... Um, I know you've done this a million times. Maybe just while you get the, the sticks, show the sticking for 50 ways. Just a little, just a, a couple seconds. I know without the hi-hat and the drums, but. I don't think we can do that one. This yeah, is... yeah. 
it doesn't make any sense unless the unless you see the way it's divided on the yeah, drum. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. My bad. That'll be on the next one. When we do this again next week, we'll we'll get you behind the drums and and we'll have you do it then. <laughs> Will Lee's got to run. Will, great to see you, brother. I got to run pretty soon too, Johnny. I know you do. I know you do, Steve. I know, and we all know that. I'm just saying goodbye to Luis and to Will. Will Lee, wow, great to see. thanks for thanks for jumping on here, you guys. Thank you, um, <laughs> Sherry. That will cost you more. Yes. Um, so everybody, I think Steve's going to have to boogie. Um, I'll stay on another minute or two, but I don't think after this you're going to want to people are going to want to see me much, much more. So um, I think your inner child needs a hug, John. <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's the bar has been set so high. There's nowhere to go now after this. But um all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you, Steve. I think you could probably I'll, I'm going to stay on for a second. So if you want to just disconnect your phone, that should that should um, disconnect you. So you don't. OK, well, thanks, everybody. And, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you a call in a little while, Steve. Hang in there and stay safe. See you later. Thanks, Steve. See you. Okay, sorry guys. I uh I realize there's some dead air going on here. So um how about that Steve Gad? Gonna keep his his phone icon up there for a little while. And uh before I say adios, hope everybody enjoyed it. You're welcome, Jordan. That was pretty great, wasn't it? Steve is the best. He is the absolute best. I'm tired and he did all the work. Sorry we didn't get to all the questions, everybody. I do apologize. I, I kind of knew this was going to happen and I meant to say that at the beginning that apologize that we can't get to everything. But if you're just joining, you can rewind it, watch it from the beginning, and there's some great stuff. So I'm going to sign off. Um, thank you guys for watching. Great hang, Larry. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Ace. Paul Candelori, everybody. I do have a coffee table, but my wife does not allow me to play on it, Ace. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that, man. Mark Temple, I appreciate it. I'll do another one of these soon, maybe this week or next week. Hey, Andy, yeah, from your hospital bed. Get well soon, brother. Feel better soon. You got it, you got it, Los. Thanks for tuning in. 
Everybody, if you're still watching, don't forget to watch Neil Porter tonight live at 7.30 Eastern Time, Boston Time. Neil is the guitarist and singer from Grand Theft Audio, my band, our band, my band. And um, tune in. Him and Charlene will be live tonight. His wife, Charlene, it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, Penny Lane, how about that? Over 400 viewers. Imagine if I had done this by myself, I'd probably have twice that many. But I wanted to give Steve a little exposure. So, you know, we do these things, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's see. What do you guys think of the, uh, the camera angle here? I'm trying a little something different. Got the Gretchies in the background there. Okay, that was fun. It was fun. Did I just see Richie Morales? Okay, everybody be safe. Take good care of yourselves. Um, we're approaching the 90-minute mark, so I'm going to finish early today, and we'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Stay safe. See you soon. Peace.